31 degrees in Salford, it's Scorchio right now. How's your Thursday been? Are you well? Probably warmer you are too. Thanks for choosing the Richie Allen Radio Show. I'm live, as usual, and I've got two terrific guests between now and 7 o'clock. It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, I had a lovely email from Dennis Walsh. Dennis is in Listowel in County Kerry, and he distributes, would you believe, the advertiser in that area, in that part of Ireland. It has a very, very big distribution in North Kerry and West Limerick. He's a journalist, he's a lovely guy, and he's been doing his bit in his popular newspaper uh, to ask questions of the, well, of the lockdown strategies and the vaccine rollout. Great guy, Dennis. I've invited him on. He'll be live with me in around about 25 minutes' time. Later on in the programme, the meteorologist, the physicist, Piers Corbin, is back on the programme after quite an absence. It's been a while. Lots to talk about with Piers. We'll even talk about the permafrost in Russia. Yeah, I think we will. Permafrost and climate change. Climate change and all of that. Oh, yes, yeah, 31. I don't know about you, but it's Betty Swallocks here, live from Salford. <laughs> Betty. Betty Swallocks, the old ones are. The oldies are, are the besties, aren't they? Aren't they? I'm at Aircon 4, though, so I'm not too bothered by the heat. But elsewhere around Richie Allen Show Towers, I can tell you, it's very, 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 very warm. I suppose we shouldn't whinge because it's going to change at the weekend. For those of you who don't like it very much, it will change on Saturday. And it'll become a bit more, well, a bit more normal. The kind of temperatures you'd kind of normally expect at this time of year. Okay. There are inflatable pools in every second garden, by the way, and you can hear the little ones shrieking and screaming as their evil dads are throwing them into the cold water. Good fun and games. Now, the Chief Health Officer of New South Wales, I came across this this morning, a number of you alerted me to this, the Chief Health Officer of New South Wales has urged people not, well, not to speak to one another now. Uh, when they meet outside the home to help, uh, well, spread, prevent the spread of COVID. No more talking to each other now. What kind of fuckery are you? (laughs) That's what I thought. Speaking to reporters two days ago, Dr Kerry Chant, the Chief Health Officer, New South Wales, this is what she said. We have to stop the spread of COVID. To do this, we all need to work together. We need to limit our movements. We need to consider whenever we leave our house that anyone with us, anyone we come into contact with, could convey the virus. So whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, to be friendly, um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. So even if you run into your next door neighbour, in the shopping centre, in the Coles, while you're at Coles Wars or Aldi or any other um, grocery shop, don't start up a conversation. 
Now is the time for minimising your interactions with others. Even if you've got a mask, do not think that affords total protection. We want to be absolutely sure that as we go about our daily lives, we do not come into contact with anyone else that would pose a risk. In dreams, Roy Orbison, you did hear that. Whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, yeah. to be friendly, <laughs> um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. Not the time to be friendly. So even if you run into your next door neighbour right. in the shopping centre, in the Coles, whilst you're at Coles Woolworths or Aldi or any other um, grocery shop, don't start up a conversation. All together now. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. Yeah, yeah. She's still in the job, you know. She's still there. She's not currently being ridden out of town on the back of a mule or on a rail, as it were. It's just wonderful, really. The things they know they can now get away with, you know. So even if you run into your next-door neighbour... Yeah, over by the bananas. ...in the shopping centre, in the <laughs> Coles, whilst you're at Coles Woolworths or Aldi or any other um, grocery <laughs> shop, don't start up a conversation. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? I don't go to the supermarket anymore, but if I did, I'd practice that. When people I know say hello to me, I just, I'd, I'd completely close my mouth and I'd be like... Mm. Mm, 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 mm. COVID, no, can't can't start a conversation with you. What a mad bitch. But anyway, let's move on, shall we? Let's move on. Let's do that. Yeah, that's a cliche that. I've been smacked on the wrist by El Frogo Tremendo. Don't say let's move on. You say it too often. I know I do. It's a habit. It's a habit is what it is. Yeah, taxi for silly cow. But no, no, she's still there. <laughs> She's still there. Right, here we go. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. Do, 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 do. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. Right, there's another witch doctor then. Her name is Devi Sridhar or Sridhar. She's an Indian American. She's a Native American, is she? Or are her parents from India in Asia and America? They wouldn't call her an Indian American if she was a Native American, would they? Because they'd be cancelled. Because she might die of, I don't know, of shame. Anyway, she's in the University of Edinburgh. She's a global public health person. She's a witch doctor. Sarah Jane Mee on Sky News asked her about the cases rising and how far that might go. How many cases might we see, Devi Shridhar? Well, I think case numbers, if people keep coming forward to get tested, will increase dramatically because we know that now with Delta, which is different to the earlier um, versions of SARS-CoV-2, you can test positive even after being fully vaccinated. And so I think we are going to see continued infections. And then what we have to look at is what is the translation into illness, into people who either have symptoms for a long period of time or need to go to hospitals. Hospitalization are estimated by some modelers to go over a thousand a day, which would be quite a stress on the NHS right now. Bullshit. So I think we're all kind of holding our breath that potentially now that, you know, people will be cautious, that they will avoid mixing and so on. She's holding her breath that people will be cautious and that they will avoid mixing. By the way, little Debbie Shridhar, she gave the game away the very beginning of the answer. Did you catch that? Well, I think case numbers, if people keep coming forward to get tested, will increase dramatically. 
What was that, Debbie? Well, I think case numbers, if people keep coming forward to get tested, will increase dramatically. I'm going to play this 500 times. Do you think I'd get away with it if I just did a two-hour show and played this over and over again? Do you think it might actually lodge in people's brains and they might stop getting tested? Well, I think case numbers, if people keep coming forward to get tested, will increase dramatically. (laughs) If people keep coming forward and submitting themselves for a test, cases will rise. Just stop getting tested then. Just stop. There's nothing wrong with you, you gone bean. You miserable backstard. Stop getting tested. All righty. Hey, listen, listen now. Then Sarah Jane Me had another question for the witch doctor. And it's time to play another round of your favourite game and mine. Stupid question. Stupid question. Stupid question. Stupid question. Stupid question. Stupid question. Yes, stupid question is back with me, your host, the PBG. Sarah Jane Me had a stupid question. For a uh, Devi Shridhar. Would you like to hear it? Here it is. Then we'll determine whether or not it is a stupid question by referring it to our panel, our adjudicators. <laughs> Here's the question. If the numbers are going to keep increasing, will we see more lockdowns coming in, do you think, or the return of some of the restrictions that were lifted on Monday? What was that? If the numbers are going to keep increasing, will we see more lockdowns coming in, do you think, or the return of some of the restrictions that were lifted on Monday? Okay, let's ask the returning panel, is that a stupid question? Dutch football coach Louis van Gaal, a guy in Star Trek and former President Trump. Your decision, gentlemen, please. That's a stupid question. It's a stupid question, I think. It's a stupid question. What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot, you ask a lot of stupid questions. It's a stupid question. Stupid question. Let's hear the answer. If the cases keep going up, will we see lockdowns and restrictions coming back? What do you think, you cloth-eared bint? Here's Devi Shridhar with the answer. Well, I think what we're likely to see is a, um, you know, restrictions coming back into place. I'm looking at Israel. I'm looking at Netherlands. And what we have seen is actually those places which tried to lift restrictions fully have gone back with two key things. One is face coverings, which they've had to bring back in. And the second is actually nightclubs and kind of very risky venues having to shut. So I think in some ways, if we look at kind of the government's language, it's kind of like open up now, let people have a bit more normality and then get ready to put back in restrictions in several weeks. Wow. You, you kind of need to hear the last bit of that again. They do listen to this witch doctor, you know, this Shridhar, Sridhar, Shridhar, uh, Devi Shridhar. So I think in some ways, if we look at kind of the government's language, it's kind of like open up now, let people have a bit more normality and then get ready to put back in restrictions in several weeks. Wow. They're opening up now to let you have a little taste of normality. Restrictions will be put back, well, in a few weeks' time. Silla! It hits you between the eyes The unpredictable That's the surprise you see Surprise, surprise Yeah Yeah, give them a little bit of normality now And, well, lock them down again in the autumn I might enter stupid questions myself later on I might ask Piers Corbin if he's planning 
to uh, go to a protest this Saturday. Stupid question. Yeah, he'll be going to the protest on Saturday, have no doubt. It's 12 minutes past five. I'm the BBG. This is your Richie Allen radio show. Here's Vaccine Minister Nadim Zahawi in Westminster at a debate last December. You heard me. Last December. Here's Zahawi. But before I address some of those complexities, I wish to set out the facts as they stand today, uh, Sir David. First, there are currently no plans to place restrictions on those who refuse to have a COVID vaccine at all. Uh, further, as we have, as the uh, uh, member for Castleton and, and, and want to remind us, uh, no plans to introduce so-called vaccine passporting. Uh, I think uh, uh, the member for High Wycombe quite rightly was, was slightly nervous. I did my first interview, I think it was with the BBC, where uh, they were asking me about uh, the, uh, some of the challenges. I talked about some of the technological challenges around this, and I may have misspoken. I was grateful uh, to the spectator and, and the talk radio who allowed me to, to then explain myself. I think um, mandating vaccinations uh, is discriminatory and completely wrong. And I, like the member for High Wycombe and others here, would uh, urge businesses listening to this debate today uh, not to even think about uh, this. And I will explain in further detail why that is the wrong thing to do. I'm grateful, and I put on record my thanks to Professor Carol Sakura, who quoted me and said I eloquently dealt with the issue. He has many hundreds of thousands of followers, which uh, uh, I was very grateful for. So uh, absolutely no plans uh, for vaccine pa- Absolutely no plans for vaccine passports, discriminatory, they're terrible, blah, blah, blah. Here's Nadim Zahawi this afternoon. Here he is this afternoon in the Commons. This week, after a successful trial, we have rolled out the NHS COVID pass. This allows people safely and securely to demonstrate their COVID status, whether it's proof of vaccination status, test results or natural immunity. People will also be able to demonstrate proof of a negative test result. Although we don't encourage its use in essential settings like supermarkets, other businesses and organisations in England can adopt the pass as a means of entry where it's suitable for their venue or premises, and when they can see its potential to keep their clients or their customers safe. But for proprietors of venues and events where large numbers are likely to gather and likely to mix with people from outside their households for prolonged periods, deploying the pass is the right thing to do. The pass has an important role to play in slowing the spread of the virus, and so we reserve the right to mandate its use in the future. Next, Mr Speaker, I'd like to update the House on vaccination as a condition of entry. At the end of September, we plan to make full vaccination a condition of entry to those high-risk settings where large crowds gather and interact. As a condition of entry to these venues, people will need to show that they are fully vaccinated and proof of a negative test will no longer be sufficient. That was him today and you previously heard him in 2020. So don't think for a minute that Nadim Zahawi is lying. That sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? He's not lying, Zahawi. He's not in charge. And, and I've spent years trying to explain this to people. And I had a text conversation with two or three different friends of mine today. And we were lamenting people's inability to grasp this 
very basic but very important concept. These people are not in charge. Back in December last year, Zahawi and Gove, Michael Gove, the Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, and not only in December but in February and in March, they were told to say that there were no plans for vaccine passports, that it was anti-British. It was un-English, un-British to be imposing such, such draconian measures on citizens. That's what they were told to say then. Now they've been told to say something different. It's not their lie. They're the messenger. Do you understand? Zahawi is no more in charge of the, 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 the vaccine deployment than I am in charge of Manchester United football team. He's not. And the sooner people wake up to that, the better. It's the big stumbling block for most people. They can't get their heads around it. On Politics Live today, which is a BBC Two television programme, Bernard Jenkins, Sir, if you please, Conservative Party MP, and Labour's Emily Thornberry had a little disagreement over wearing face masks now that they are no longer mandated. You'll hear Bernard Jenkins first, then you will hear Thornberry. Okay. I biked here uh, to the studio. Mm. Uh, I wore a helmet. The government advises you to wear a, a crash helmet if you're wearing a bicycle, or like riding a bicycle. Uh, but it's not compulsory. So there are lots of examples of that. Um, I would wear a mask in the House of Commons if it was crowded. If I would find myself sitting in acres of space without anybody around me, I might not wear a mask. I mean, if you're going to be on a train, should you be prosecuted for not wearing a mask when the rest of the carriage is completely empty? I think we need to hand back responsibility to people and do you know what this is a great sort of Westminster village row going on about this and blaming the government for the lack of communication is it a Westminster the vast row? majority can I just make this point the vast majority of people in this country want to be given responsibility and are going to take those responsibilities seriously and why do we respect people for that that's one of the differences between the two main political parties by the way right yeah. we tend to trust people's judgment if there's one in ten person who decides to behave irresponsibly and they have covid and the rest of us catch it, then how is that right? It's not right. It should be that we are there, to, we should be protecting one another, and frankly, it should be the law that we protect one another. It's not the same as having a bicycle but, helmet. Okay, it's the same as catch... driving down the street at 70 miles an hour. So, it's okay, not, look, it's not, it's this not this looking is, after other people. This is not as black and white as all this, you know. Well, it is, well, actually. I, well, it's about, it's about protecting others, and okay. during a pandemic, that's what we should be doing. So and you, when if... I see on the other side of the chamber, okay. these Tory MPs, <laughs> exercising their so-called freedom to infect me with COVID, I think, quite frankly, who are these people? They're supposed to be representatives of the nation. Well, that's Thornbury's an idiot, yeah, that, that goes without saying. She's referring to scenes that were photographed by the press today of the House of Commons, where largely the Conservative Party frontbench MPs were maskless and the Labour Party frontbench MPs were wearing masks. Now, I didn't need to be Nostradamus to predict months ago that these things would be become would, would, would basically be divided along the lines of right-wing versus left-wing. I predicted this. They would make mask-wearing political and social distancing political. If you want to continue to wear a mask, well, you're a very good person, you're virtuous, and therefore you must be a liberal. Uh, not a liberal, you must be a, a, a socialist, but don't believe that for a minute. Right, you're Labour. Right, you're on the left. And if you think, well, masks, no, not for me anymore, and you divest yourself 
of your mask, well then you're a, an uncaring, heartless, right-wing bastard, basically. I predicted this a long time ago and now we're seeing it. This is how it's being played out. It's a stage, this. This is a play, you know. We're very good. We think we should go around protecting people from ourselves, even though, strangely enough, there isn't anything wrong with us. You're a very bad, heartless, careless person because you won't wear the mask. This is how it's going. Is it the nation? Well, that's quite a claim. But go on, Bernard. Grown up fashion than that. Let him, let him respond. Yeah. Every, every year, million, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people die from winter flu. But we don't make it against the law to go to work if you've got flu. We rely on people's common sense. Give it some time, Bernard. And, and we are transitioning from an emergency to a society that's got to learn to live with coronavirus. And we cannot do that by acres and acres of compulsion on people's individual actions, because, in fact, what we're beginning to see is a refusal of people to comply with that compulsion. Are we, though, really? Are we seeing a refusal of people to comply with the compulsion? I'm not sure. I wouldn't put a lot of money on that, you know? I don't know. I'm the BBG. It's 21 minutes past five o'clock. It's the Richie Allen radio show, live from Salford. Uh, I, my, my, my pseudonym today, by the way, is Betty Swallocks. It's absolutely boiling. But I'm going to whack the old aircon back on for a bit and cool it right down here again in the studio. I'm going to get my first guest on the line. I'm looking forward to you meeting him. His name is Dennis Walsh. He's a journalist. He's in Listowel in the beautiful County Kerry. He'll be with me after this from Renault. 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 Not René. Renault. I shall say this only once. 25 past 5, that's Renault and Alabelle de May. Terrific tune, that. Love that. It's a pretty weather appropriate, at least I feel that way anyway. Had a terrific email overnight from Dennis. Um, maybe it came in this morning. I think it might have come in this morning. Uh, Dennis Walsh. Now, Dennis is well known in County Kerry. He is uh, the man behind the advertiser, advertiser.ie. He's in the print media business and owns a newspaper that is distributed throughout North Kerry and West Limerick weekly. It has uh, thousands and thousands of copies distributed and it's very popular. Now, since this began last year, Dennis has been writing articles from the other side. I suppose you could say from, from our side of uh, the divide, you know, about COVID and about the dangers of lockdown, the harms of lockdown, the worries about an un you know, a, 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 it's fair to say an untried vaccine rollout. Dennis wouldn't be anti-vaccine at all. He certainly wouldn't be wouldn't be anti-science. But he's a very good writer, and he's written an article called "The Illusion of Freedom in an Unfree World." And I've shared that on Twitter earlier on. I'll share it again uh, shortly. The illusion of freedom in an unfree world. Like I said, he's in County Kerry, which is a wonderful part of Munster, beautiful place uh, to be. Let's welcome to the program. Dennis Walsh. Dennis, you're very welcome. Thanks for reaching out to us. How are you? Good evening, Rich. I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? Not too shabby. I'd say your, your old head is spinning there, is it, with everything that's going on? Ah, uh, sure. It never stops. But look, come here. Thank you, first of all, anyway, for getting me on the show. I, I only sent you the email this morning. Um, you came back very, very quickly to me. So, look, thank you for, for, for letting me on. And, you know, I started listening to your show a while back. And, look, thank you for what you're doing, because... It probably makes the rest of us feel a little bit less mad when when there's someone with your listenership kind of, you know, showing the alternative view as such, you know. 
Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, but you're doing it. And to be honest, you have far more, I think, to lose than somebody like me. You know, you've got a, a good business in Kerry. You've got a sound name. And mm. you're surrounded by people who, it's fair to say, Dennis, well, you, you tell me, I should ask. Not, I shouldn't tell you, I should ask. But I'm guessing you're surrounded by a lot of people who have have swallowed it hook, line and sinker. You haven't. You're asking questions. It's not always easy to do that, especially not when you have a business. I imagine it's um, it's a fine balance and act, I'd say, is it, Dennis? No, you see, I suppose when you write when you write these things, I mean, I I have nothing to gain by, by writing them, but I feel compelled to do it. Um, you see, I'm not. My magazine is actually free every week. I, I work on advertising revenue or whatever, you know. So it is sticking your head above the parapet. But I suppose I've gone to the stage maybe where business isn't really. The business isn't, of course, it's important and I want to keep it. I have it 14 years and I want to keep it for as long as I can. But, you know, I think there's so much going on right now that, you know, it's it's a bit more important to try and share these views with people, you know. Uh, but, yeah, look, there's the majority of people are hook, line and sinker, you know. It is, uh, it is, it's, it's a bit crazy, I suppose, you know. It is, um, there's actually even a fellow that yesterday was on about even the vaccine as such and he was saying, he goes to me, uh, oh, I took my... Pfizer, of course, was brand specific and all that. And uh, I said, he said he took it yesterday. I said, why did you do that? No, I wasn't doing it in such a way that, like, you know, you were stupid to do so. But he said, I just, uh, I don't know enough about it. And I was thinking, you know, you should probably repeat that to yourself three or four times before you realise what I'm hearing, you know. Wow. Uh, and that's just symptomatic of what's going on with you. And you, so said, okay. you, said, you said brand specific as well. I've seen oh. a bit of that. People seem My, people seem yeah. to be in love with these vaccines, don't they? And and the companies that make them, and they're trading stories about which yeah. one they had. How, as as a man, you know, as, as a journalist, as a man that's in the media, how have they managed to to do that to people? To have them speaking like that? I don't know. I, I don't know either. It's, <laughs> it's just from the from the very beginning. It's just been fear from start to finish. They've they've put um you know they've put this silver bullet for people want to call it a, a, as a vaccine and. You know, it's like, this is your way out of it. This is your way of getting out of it. And then they get so excited about it. Oh, this is my Pfizer. This is my Astra. You know, it's actually, it's, it's no one's vaccine in a sense, because everybody's different. They call it your vaccine. You know, it's like, it's like the media saying it's your vaccine, your appointment. It's not your vaccine. It never was your vaccine. That's, the, the, that's one of the biggest points to see from, from that. And people are just kind of, it's almost applied with advertising in a sense, which I mean, you kind of put the word you uh, use those kind of things to kind of almost make a connection with someone straight away. So when they're calling it your vaccine, it almost feels in a sense, oh yeah, that's mine. I better get that, do you know? Um, Personalising so it, Dennis. I, I suppose that's that's one part of it, I suppose, yeah. you know? And um, can you can you see uh, those, as a man who's in the advertising business yourself, you produce a magazine, it's got a big circulation, you will have a lot of businesses advertising in your magazine, so you know advertising, I mean, it's the advertiser is the, is the magazine. Do you, yeah, yeah. do you see the techniques? I mean, when you're listening to the radio or watching the television, do you see some sort of a sophisticated element to how they're running this? Um, I suppose I'd never, I'd never say I know everything about everything. Um, after 14 years, you would certainly see different different ways of doing things like that. But it, it's 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 like everything, uh, Richard. I suppose at the moment, it, it's a whole load of factors. It's like, you know, you could you could kill someone else. You know, um, they go that serious with it. You could kill Granny. You could yeah. could infect someone else. It's all that. It's about putting the onus back on people 
and making them almost feel guilty. It's like like with advertising, you, you, you have to come up with a strategy that I suppose you're almost forcing someone in to think that I need this product or I need such and such a thing, you know? Um, I, I look, I don't know, this thing goes very, very deep with, 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 how, with how, they're, how they're promoting it. Um, like I said earlier, I think, I think the first thing that I've seen when they've started calling it your vaccine, it couldn't possibly be. I mean, are they going to make 7 billion different, uh, different cocktails for you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, like. Dennis Walsh is our guest, and there's, there's lots of interest in this. John Heffernan, Heffernan even, has just uh, reached out to us on Twitter. Uh, top man is Dennis, says John. He's written some great articles regarding this uh, pandemic. Can't wait to listen. So that's a message from John uh, already, Dennis, there. I, I couldn't tell you where John is. Where are you, John? Are you in uh, Kerry or are you, are you in Munster? You might be in Limerick. Let us know. As I said, Dennis Walsh is the guest. I have already emailed the, the article that, that, that I read today. It's brilliantly written. Written, Dennis, you're a very, very good writer. It's an excellent article. Um, I suppose, Rich, would you call me a journalist? I suppose I kind of that's almost a little unfair because I never really trained as a journalist. It doesn't matter, does it? Words on paper, but it's just with this particular thing when I when I first kind of twigged, or you know, I mean, we, me and you could be very wrong by the end of all of this. I doubt it, but you know, when I first kind of twigged, there was something going on. I felt, like I said, compelled to it because, like that John fella there, look. My readers are extremely important to me. My businesses that advertise with me are extremely important to me. You know, it's all about putting food on the table and everything else. But you know, when 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 I when I when I do those articles, it's always teamed with with the side of look. Just consider, just consider something isn't particularly right here. You know, um, it won't hurt you to to do so. I mean, you know, you 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 go along with everything else. Um, you could find yourself in a real problem where. If you actually just question things, yeah. just question even the slightest thing, you know, you, you'll actually go in and you'll, you'll find yourself probably looking for more and more, more research. I mean, the word research almost nowadays is almost a derogatory term as well. Oh, you go and do your research. But I find if you go and do that research and you find stuff on the alternative side of it, there's no going back. Um, it's too compelling, really, for, for, for people, you know. So that's what I do. I don't I don't try and force an opinion. You've seen that with the article I sent you. Um, you know, it's just really a case of, you know, this is what I see is going on. I'm not picking a fight with anyone. I'm just saying this is what I see what's going on. And for 14 years, these people have been reading reading my stuff, which a lot of the time is more local photos, more light stuff. But, you know, I almost felt a duty to the people that are reading my magazine that if I did find something that I feel felt was irre- irrefutable or was on a government website or whatever else, I feel they have the right to know, you know. Um, so I, I, I don't know, I mean... Whether that's right or wrong, I I I think it's the right thing to do anyway. It's right, and your articles read like a feature writer's. It it doesn't read ranty. It doesn't come across as preachy. It's very good. It's you, you know, speaking um, in a very humane way. You know, saying, "Look, th- this." Is, is going on. I, I've noticed this. I've seen this. You know, mm-hmm. what, what might come out of that? It's very, very good. It really is. Uh, yeah. the, the illusion of freedom in an unfree world. I've put it on Twitter, folks. Read it and share it around. What, um, if anything, are you hearing from your partners? And by your partners, I mean those who advertise in the magazine. They've had a difficult, they've had a tough avenue. I'm sure you have cafes and restaurants and bars who advertise with you, Dennis, how do they feel about it? Do you get any sense of of them being sceptical about what's happening? Any any sort of pushback coming from them, do you think? You know, what's funny, I suppose, is it kind of happened at, at the beginning when 
I was started to write first articles was maybe last September after I, I, I waited a while to get as much information as I could be, to, to put something together. It was actually quite a long one that time. But there was a lot more people skeptical that time for some reason was what I'm feeling. Um, now I just think they're kind of saying, yeah, look, I'll go, I'll go and get my vaccine and look, that'll be the end of it. We'll, we, we'll, we'll be out of this sometime soon. I thought before people were a lot, a lot, a lot more angry, which doesn't make any sense because we're after going further and further into, the, into this dark tunnel. Um, it, it doesn't make sense. But there are people, of course, you know, I always found what I deal with most of these people that, that run their own business and, you know, for one reason or another, they seem to think a little differently, that they, they, a little bit more critical thinking, they, they kind of weigh up their options a little bit more and stuff like that. And, and they were all, all those people were kind of totally against it. Now, again, I haven't really, I don't talk to them as much anymore. Like, I mean, people are half afraid to come into an office now or they're half afraid to do anything. You'd get it over an email and it just becomes purely business and you don't seem to have those conversations as much anymore. Um, I think that whole personal side of it has been absolutely ripped away from us as well. This is uh, social distancing now. You're talking about what social distancing and working from home is doing to yeah. personal relationships. Yeah, well, like, I mean, I, I, I've always... I suppose I, when I put it first happened, I, I closed for my two months or whatever, which was actually a silver lining because my daughter was only six months old that time, Willow, and um, myself and my wife Maria got a lot more more time with her, which is precious, and you'll never ever get that back. So that was the silver lining. But you know, like I said, business for me is 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 what keeps my business going, other businesses. Um, but I decided last June or whatever it was, start of June, I was opening up, um, and and just you know that was it. Whether it was whether it was I wasn't turning a euro for one week to the next or whatever. No, it wasn't bad, but I'm saying, but um, it's just, I just felt, look, had to, had to, had to plow on with it, you know? The, were you, was there, was there any danger at that stage that you might fall foul of the authorities or was it okay to just go ahead at that time? Well, you see, the thing is, I'm in media, which is, you know, and of course media were put on uh, level, even if it was level five lockdown, the media were still allowed to, to open. I mean, yeah. the obvious reason for that was, is because the government couldn't get out their propaganda without the media being open. So I suppose I just fell, fell into that category, like, you know, by default. And can I ask uh, you this, Dennis, now? I'd be, if I didn't ask you this, I'd be an idiot. Um, has, has, has the government or the local authority there, have they placed advertisements about COVID in your magazine? They would have a certain amount of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a huge amount now, but, the, but they would have. I mean, I have a good, a good relationship with them and all that kind of thing. We would have had for years, so... Um, I, I really don't think by me writing these things, I think they know me well enough that that they wouldn't just tar me with a brush because of that. But yeah, yeah there was a bit there, of course, when they were putting out these, you know, these social distance cones and all the rest of it. There was there was a bit of advertising for that, and you know, this kind of thing for Kerry opening up and safe Kerry, all this kind of thing, which is look in the face of it, are good initiatives because, like I said, we're in the minority, so I suppose that kind of thing it tries to alleviate some kind of um, anxiety that that are in the people that are. That are believing this, and like I said, look, they, I, 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 I doubt by being on this the alternative side of it we're wrong. But look, I hope with, with every fibre of my of my body that we are, you know. Yeah, absolutely right. Dennis Walsh is our guest, and Dennis is the man behind um, Advertiser.ie, the Advertiser.ie. Check out the website. Uh, the Advertiser is a magazine in Kerry, and uh, it makes its way into Limerick as well. 
it's um, it's owned by Dennis. It has a very big circulation, and he's been writing articles for well for some considerable time now, challenging, asking the questions that the media isn't asking. Again, these are going to sound like obvious questions, but I, it's important that we talk about this stuff when you're yeah, listening. No, you, you know, but you know, I'm going to ask you silly questions like RTE and you know the radio stations over there. It can't be easy listening to that stuff, Dennis. I mean, I listen to it here, and there isn't yeah. any. I mean, there hasn't since since day one. There's been no other side of it. You make that point very well in your article. It's nothing but one way. COVID is terrible. You have to do this. You have to do that. Listen to those programs. I mean, has this been a big eye opener for you this last fifteen months about well, the media? I mean, Richie, like like anybody else, when when this first thing came into our consciousness, or whatever landed on our shores or whatever, you know, you're going to fall into line because you don't know. I mean, you see the videos from Wuhan and all that kind of thing, but you know that we found out after that they were false. But RT just promoting everything. I'm not sure if they had those videos, but they just promote propaganda nonstop. And look, I'd say after about two months, you know. I was gone so far with them that I wouldn't even want to turn it on in case that they could actually get some extra little uh, or listener, uh, listenership figure out of it. Yeah. I just couldn't. I just can't listen to them. They're they're absolutely one-sided. And look, they're the ones that are putting all these fear into older people. Like, I mean, I have parents who are uh, 80, 84 and 79, like, and I, and I see it in them and they, were, they're, they are two strong, very strong people. Um, and I can see what it's what it's done to them. Now, they're a lot better now, but I can see what it what it had done. And it's it's actually heartbreaking to see that, and that these people can do that. You know, willy nilly, they don't they don't actually care about the consequences. And I mean, one one thing that sticks out in my mind was was from the media doing this was we say well, our daughter was I suppose nine nine months that time, and we went up to to the house. They, they live uh, just a village, fifteen nothing is fifteen fifteen uh, minutes away, but that's where I was born. Whatever else, but uh, we went up with with uh, Willow one day, and she was only a baby. Whatever else, and we ended up having to chat to my parents out through the window. And I mean, I, at that stage, I was firmly on the side that this is all a load of whatever, you know. But, but your parents, happy. but your parents were, were, were so on board with the agenda that your parents made the decision to speak yeah. to Willow through the window, did they? Wow. Yeah, but I suppose, look, I don't... I'm not blaming them, them now, neither do I. Listen, I know elderly people, and, and, and I've got elderly people who listen to this, and I know elderly people back home, and I know they were exactly the same as your parents. They swallowed it. I met a guy around here last year, and he's in his um, late 70s. He has a dog. He looks after the dog, I think, for, for his daughter. And I met him. And he was bemoaning the fact that he hadn't seen his grandchildren. And there's me, like an Egypt, Dennis, like an Egypt, I thought that he was on board with with me, that he knew it was a scam. And I said, oh, that's brutal, isn't it? I said, you think they'd know a bit better. And like the, like his children. And he looked at me like I had ten heads and he went, what do you mean? It's right. He said, it's absolutely right and proper that I shouldn't see the grandkids. And there uh, he's out walking in his 70s, sturdy, fitter than me. It is, it is, it is mental. Like, and I just yeah. want to say, you know, obviously, like, you know, my parents obviously don't blame him. I think, you know, what, like, because we spoke about RT and the propaganda, it's done it to so many people. It's just symptomatic of it. I don't blame them in any way, shape, or form because Neither do I. that's what they were told. I mean, that colourful box on the wall has always been almost the truth for people, um, and it's very hard to see past that. So, I mean, they they had they had their their perfect platform, 
you know, to, to, to send this propaganda across those ways. God love them. But, and I absolutely agree. I'm not just saying this. I totally agree with you. It's not their fault. And it's got nothing no. to do with intelligence either. I've had this out no. with somebody who said to me, oh, the bright people get it. That is bollocks, excuse my language. They do not. Some of the smartest people in the world have fallen for this. God love them. They thought that, that, that Willow or you or, or, or Marie might, you know, give him a bogan. So they said, no, no, look, we better keep our distance. So that was going on up and down the country. It was going on here in the UK as well. Now, you did say, Dennis, did you, that they're a bit more relaxed about it now, about what's going on? They are a bit more relaxed now. And look, it's great because I, I go up there every weekend, every Saturday with her and look, they have, they have great fun with her and all the rest of it. Uh, like, look, like we should be doing where we're, we're human beings. Like, I mean, we're social people. That's what that's what I don't get a lot of the time. It's just people just like, you know, oh, I can't talk to this person. I'll walk past you if for some reason you weren't wearing a mask in some shop. And, you know, they look at you like whatever. Instead of a year ago, you'd be having a chat about how many pints you had the weekend, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And now you're kind of like a walking weapon, which is it's what the media have done. And like come back to what we what, what the question you asked me is what they have done. And they've done it so willingly. Like, I mean, there's absolutely no heart whatsoever in it. Um, and you know, you talk about humanity, uh, the way it is going. Everything else. I mean, these are the people that are promoting this, and it's it's absolutely horrendous. I think. Um, you know, I mean, the data is there always for for people to see that of how many people, how many people it's 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 going to it's going to badly affect and all the rest of it. So you know, it it should be it should be straightforward for people to understand it. But again, like I said, it, it is not it is not at all intelligence. It's not. Look, we we're on. Some kind of a conveyor belt here of, of, of capitalism and, and constantly under some form of control. So it's just another step. It's just another way along the line. Like, and like I said, if, if you just if, if you just go and find out. I mean, I'm talking people that are experts in their field. People know exactly what they're talking about. I mean, go and listen to them. The Great Barrington Declaration. All those thousands of doctors. Everything else. I mean, listen to them. Listen to Mike Eden. You know, Kirk van den Bosch. All these people. You know, you're going to find information there. And it's going to be totally contradictory for our, our as opposed to, to, to RT and, and BBC or whatever. But I mean, we don't seem to get it. We don't get a debate. It's we the debate. most sinister aspect. For yeah, we debate, we debate everything. But Absolutely. How, how, how can they decide? How can the BBC or RTE decide that, right, we'll, we'll take our expert opinions from this pool of, of academics and we will ignore this pool, even though pool B those academics, their qualifications are equal, in some cases better, than in yes. Pool A. So at that stage, I wouldn't put words in your mouth, but I know yes. at that stage then that something very, very sinister is going on, that this is not just bad management. It's not just that standards have just disappeared from, you know, from, from, from producing programmes, from editing programmes. Something else is going on here. There's a reason. Do you, do you have any sympathy for those of us, I say us, and you might not, and and if you don't, it'll be even better because it's good to get the other side of it as well. But th there are people I've known for years, and they've believed for a long time that there are plans for 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 people for 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 us basically that there's a way of living that certain groups of people, and by groups of people we're talking. Some people call them the globalists. Some people call them, you know, they say they're think tanks, they're bankers, whatever you want to call them. But that they want to turn the way we live upside down and take us into a kind of a more dystopian kind oh, of a yeah. paradigm. Do you go along with that, do you think? Um, I, I think, I suppose, the, the reason like I, I get I got consumed by it as well is because, look, if I didn't have a, a child, I suppose I wouldn't have gone into it, but I, d I do go along with it. I mean, some people, you mentioned the Great Reset, uh, and they still look at you as if you're some kind of 
far-right radical extremist, yeah. which I'm not. I, I, I don't think I met. I don't think anyone has met me. If, I could be, of course, but I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think anyone has met me would, would say that. Um, but, you know, they still did say the Great Reset is a conspiracy. You know, you've spoke about it linked on your show. I mean, the tagline of, you know, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Well, someone is going to own it. It just won't be you. Yeah. So it's like it's utter, 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 utter control. Like, I, I, I suppose that's that's the fear for me that, I mean, I don't know, you could go down the route of vaccines causing so many problems. Everything else. And it is the globalists that are doing that, if such, but, or as such. But I, I just think that, that you, you, you are looking at the dystopian society, like you said, of communism, I think they absolutely want to control every aspect of your life, um, and I think the the the, the vaccines are, are a gateway to doing so. Tell me this, Dennis. Let, let me re- remind our listeners: um, we've got Dennis Walsh on. Dennis is in a County Kerry, and he's the man behind the advertiser. Look for the advertiser.ie. It's a great website, and you'll find the article there. Even though I've tweeted it, the illusion of freedom in an unfree world. It's very well written. It's good to have Dennis on the program. His magazine is a very wide circulation in Kerry and in Limerick as well, and he's had the courage to put down uh, his own thoughts on this. And and in a very, I think, in a very inclusive, it's a terrible term, but in an inclusive way, it's not going to scare anybody off and it's not preaching to people and telling them they're stupid and that they're wrong. It's asking questions. I, I think it's brilliant. Um, you mentioned um, Willow. If I didn't have a daughter, you said. And I always ask this to people with young children because I don't have any children. She's a big motivating factor for you, Dennis, because... Yeah, yeah go I, ahead. hard to realise that I suppose until, until you become a father, you know, and you just... You have so much more responsibility. And I mean, the easy thing to do would be just to hide your head, put your head in the sand. And sometimes I wish I did because, you know, you just get kind of, you get a little consumed by it. But at the same time, and, and it's it's not an awful lot I can do. I mean, you know, you have a huge, huge uh, listenership and it's brilliant. I mean, what I have is my own little section. And I would hate to think that, you know, in 10, 15 years time that she might say to me, well, Dad, you know, did you do anything to kind of to, to stop this or, or do any little bit at all that I could? You know, if, if if one article, I don't like even use the word wake up, if one article just just gets even one or two people to reconsider the status quo, like, I mean, I think I'm, I'm doing something right because, you know, we're in the minority and we, we need to get more people on our side, that kind of thing, you know. And by the way, thanks for all the plugs about, about the business. I'd love to meet you from a few points sometime. I'd have to, I'd have to get, buy you a few, but thanks, thanks well, for that. Not yeah. at all. No, no. It's look. It's it's not a quid pro quo. I'm delighted to do it. You know, you're, I want people to go onto the website and uh, to read the articles. And uh, if you're in Monster, particularly if you're in. Um, Dennis's neck of the woods and you have businesses there get in touch with Dennis uh, through the advertiser.ie and if you're listening to this and you have a business well you're listening to this for a reason uh, because you have an idea that something is not right so support those people who are trying to do something so do place an ad with Dennis um, at the advertiser.ie you mentioned going for a few points I'd love nothing more what what reaction are you hearing? Because no better man, when I was working at WLR Motorford, it is you and people like you that I always gave a call to, always, you know, people who ran local newspapers and ran magazines like yours, I'd always be ringing you up and eyeing you, asking you, is there any crack, Dennis, you know, anything that we might want to be talking about. You've got your finger on the pulse, you do. When they announced, when me, Michael D. Higgins signed into law, gave the assent, as it were, to... Um, vaccines needed and 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 uh, testing needed to get in 
to get indoors to have a meal or have a drink. I mean, this is beyond tyranny. Is there anybody, are you hearing any little murmurs of discontent, discontent even in your neck of the woods? Oh, they would look. First of all, I'm not one bit surprised that he did. Um, I did not, I expected it uh, fully. I mean, but he at least he could have done was because it's it's so life changing for a, for a, for a population that at least he could have done was send it to the Supreme Court. But he didn't do that. But I'm not surprised. But yeah, there, look, there is a, there is a lot of murmurs about it. But you know, it's like people kind of say, you know, I, I have a lot of conversations with people. You know, and I've no problem if people are vaccinated. Whatever I'll chat away to, there's no problem at all. There's no, I mean, we're all people. We all make decisions. I have no issues whatsoever with anyone, uh, whatever they do. Uh, but you see, you hear an awful lot of people that they say, now, look, I take my vaccine because of X, Y, and Z. And 99% of the time, it's never for their health, do you know? Yeah. So if that's not vaccine question, I, I, I don't know what is. Uh, but yeah, look, look, I think one of the biggest problems, I suppose, in, in modern society is... Um, you know, by and large, people have become, I suppose, in a sense, a little greedy and a little selfish. So once you get your piece of the pie, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Now, that that, 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 that way it's to be seen um, as regards of people going to the, to the pub and people who don't want to get a vaccine stay outside. But it, it, it might just be a case of, yeah, look, well, sure, I got mine anyway and I'm, I'm hitting away in for my pints. You know, I, I would really hope that when it comes to that from Monday onwards, I really hope that that's not the case. But... You know, like I said, we're in a society now where I do think that there's a bit of greed going on and there's a bit of selfishness. Um, you know, it's like madness calling someone that doesn't get their own, their vaccine selfish, but that's another way of, of coercing people, you know. It is, yeah. On, on this, you know, maybe the selfishness in some of the businesses, while I agree with you, I suppose it's incumbent on me to point out as well that many of them are probably on the edge, aren't they, financially? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't blame them either. I, of course, you know, people have been put into a very difficult position, you see. You know, like, you know, you can't open your business if you don't do X, Y, and Z. It, it's very, very difficult for them, and I'm sure a lot of them just don't want to do that. But like I said, they've been pushed so far that they feel like they have to. Um, and that's unfair as well, I suppose. I, I, I suppose it just is unfair that you... Yeah, I wish that. I know you, you wish in one hand and, and take a big dump in the other hand. And I know that old adage, which one gets filled up first. But I, I wish that going back last year, more of them had a bit more, I don't know, by saying backbone, it can be contentious and they might get offended. But I wish that they just had a little bit more courage and had said no. You know, after three weeks, like they said, you, you made the point in your article, three weeks to flatten the curve and all this nonsense. Once we got past that, at that stage, I wish a few more had been a bit more like Simon Dolan, for example, and others. And they had said, no, 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 I'm sorry, we're opening our businesses. And if people are really, really, really scared of a bug, we sympathise with that. But they can go and hide out under their bed in their closet if they want. The rest of us have to get on with living. And I just wish they did it back then. And I wonder, has that ship sailed, Dennis, I wonder? Cause he's, I, 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 look, it, 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 I, I always err on the side of hope always. But, you know, it, it's, it, probably, it probably has. Like, I mean, um, you know, I, I, feel, I feel sorry for that, that more people obviously did do, but I feel sorry for, you know, particular cohorts. I mean, 16 to 26 especially. I mean, younger people as well. Look, they're taking away, taking away all their freedoms and everything else for this perceived you know, um, safety for, for, for older people. And it's nothing to do with older people. If people have died, people always die. I'm not being insensitive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these younger people, we, we were all, we were there ourselves, Richie. That was when 
you 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 go out, you have the crack, you make mistakes, you learn, you you learn a lot more about yourself, you 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 know you you kind of change as a person, and when you get to twenty six or seven, you probably realize, yeah, well, this is kind of what I want to do. This is the person I am. But I mean, this whole this whole thing has stunted them completely. Um, and I, I would imagine I'd heard plenty of anecdotal evidence, evidence about people with their, with their kids who are, you know, they, 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 they have, they've responded poorly to, to what's going on. And that's terribly, terribly sad because, you know, even at 37, you know, I could probably, if something happened tomorrow, I could probably say, you know, I, 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 had, the, I had the bad run at it, like, um, but it's just these, these people are going, they, they could end up losing. I, I don't see this, you see, I don't see this disappearing for quite a while. So, I mean, they could end up losing three or four really years of, not years of their life, that's a bit dramatic, but, you know, a very controlled section of their life where, where they're just, they're, they're, they're morphing into who the person that they want to be, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Over here, there is, evidence is emerging that the 20-somethings are saying no. There is some, some evidence. I heard Naga Munchetti on BBC Radio 5 yesterday say millions. I don't know if millions is 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 right. I hope it's right. I hope millions. And the reason I say that, I'm not obviously a medical expert. I, I'm not an epidemiologist, let alone a vaccinologist. But we all know, you mentioned the data earlier, we know that youngsters are completely untouched by this. If they get it, it's, it's, it's a headache. It's maybe a bit of fatigue for a couple of days and they mm-hmm. get over it. And I do know, because they've said it for years, that asymptomatic transmission doesn't, uh, isn't a factor in spreading viruses. It just is not. They're using it as a tool, aren't they? Yeah. They are. They're lying about it. And they're, they're telling kids, oh, you know, you might be fine, but you could give it. You mentioned, again, you mentioned earlier on, you could give it to granny. And that's not true. And that's not my, just that's, that, that isn't conjecture. For any listener who thinks I'm making it up, it isn't true. If you're not displaying symptoms, if you're not coughing, you're not sneezing, you're not mm-hmm. sweating, you're not running the temperature, you're not going to give anything to anybody. You're yeah, not. I suppose I put even a figure there, like, like I did say, those younger people are shouldering a burden here that was never theirs to carry. I mean, as a population, I hope we, as a people, like my age group and, and older and everything else, I hope we don't regret it. You know, but I mean, you had... Uh, the figure is something I had in the article that I that I'd sent was something like three hundred children in America aged between twelve and eighteen died just following a, a yeah. vaccine. You know, yeah. um, that's heartbreaking. That's you know, if they, if they got COVID, their chances of death was pretty much zero. Yeah. Oh, and now their lives have been taken away from them, and it's just why just why are they did they keep on going with this? You know, you you, you mentioned one day about the uh, was it the swine flu or something had killed something like fifty people and they pulled it from the market. Back in back in the United States in the seventies, that's right. They developed a vaccine, and when they saw that it had done, um, it, that it had killed something like three, four dozen people, maybe fifty, I think. Yeah, they yeah. they panicked and they immediately withdrew it and said, "No, we can't do it." But then skip on to twenty, uh, two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. They knew, and we know now that they knew that that pandemics did cause, epi- um, excuse me, narcolepsy. They knew it led to that and they kept pushing it anyway. And eventually yes. that was withdrawn. I mean, it's, it's madness. I would have kind of always, I suppose, said that, look, to people, look, that that would be, you know, on the fence about it and everything else. And I'd be saying, even younger than me and things, look, look, you don't need it. You, you won't be wrong by not taking it, but you could be wrong by taking it because mm-hmm. the, the virus won't, it won't affect you. And if these, if these vaccines and everything, if they work, well, then why should anyone else to worry about it? But the, the point, I'm, you know, the, the point I make, and I suppose getting to it is, is almost the hope again, that if we do get to the stage where, you know, these Modernas and, and, and the, the, the brand specific, like we said, if they get to 
approval. Like, I mean, are they actually going to be corrupted and approve them? Or, I mean, the data shows they can't possibly do it. But is, is it going, I mean, I'm just worried if we get to that stage and they approve it. And yeah. then who knows, by that time, will they have more draconian laws? And they might end up saying, well, look, you're going to have to take it to have any kind of life, you know? That's the, that's the worry, because I think that's the slippery slope where we're heading for it, Jim. I do hope that some things will change because there there are certain things happening in the in the media and things are not well not the mainstream media, but um that that, that might be able to turn it around. There was something in, in, in the Netherlands there yesterday or the day before where the Prime Minister was questioned about the Great Reset book and he didn't really have an answer for it. So, you know, some people are probably challenging these globalists or whatever you want to call them. So that th- there is the hope. But what I just really don't hope is that by the time the, the FDA and all these other authorities get to get to approve these, these they're not vaccines, as you know, but the, the, the time that they get to approve them, that they, that they will actually approve them. Yeah. Really hope won't happen because I don't know how do we come back from that. Neither do I. And, and it, it becoming more and more draconian, definitely, we see that here already. And there are learned folks, some of them mainstream folks, who believe that mandating it for nightclubs and stuff, which which they're going to try and do, or at least, you know, force testing on everybody who goes to a nightclub from now on in, that there are fears that this might end up going to absolute mandation, where at some stage in the near future, the government might say, you have to take it, whether you like it or not. You'll be given an appointed day to go and take it. And if you don't show up, you know, We'll either find you to death or we'll, we'll come and find you. Now, that sounds real fear porn, but, but it isn't. In, in, the, in the COVID Act here in the UK, there is provisions in the Act to take people, not to vaccinate them now, but if they think people are um, symptomatic and those people are not playing ball, a health visitor can order a police officer to take you out of your home and transport you to a third uh, to a third venue, to another venue. All that stuff is there for them to use if they want, Dennis, you know. It's mental. And then, like you said about, about the kids, it's kind of hard of, not, not a funny one, because nothing is really that funny anymore, yeah. which is like parents tell their kids not, not to use experimental drugs in nightclubs, and, and now it seems to be the, the, the actual Jesus interest here. You know, it's, it's it's mental. Like that, we've got we've came to this with you. You know, it's, it's crazy. I am. Um, I believe. Uh, I have no doubt that you'll be coming back on for a chat. Uh, I'm not going to kick you off um, uh, just yet. I, I don't kick people off anyway. But I've got to ask you this: as a, as a Kerry man, I'm mm-hmm. presuming you're a Kerry man. I am. You live in born, born and bred. Now it's 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 seven years. Shocked, Blaine since Kiri raised the Sam Curran Cup above their heads in anger. What's going on with Kerry? Is it going to be Dublin this year or are we going to see something from Kerry? I've not seen any of the early rounds now of the championship, so I should know, but I haven't. What do you think? What about uh, Kerry? I, I, th- I think if, if they were ever going to have a year to do it, it would be this. Um, I, I think that Dublin... That, well, look, Dublin are always going to be the team to beat. Basically, whoever beats Dublin win it. But if I was a betting man now at the moment, I'd be probably back in Kerry. That's yeah. just going on current form. So I don't know. Hopefully it'll bring some bit of some bit of some bit of light down here, you know. But like I mean, it's not all doom and gloom, obviously, like but it's just, you know, that that would certainly raise the spirits a little bit. Well it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? As a, I, as a monster man, of course I I I never miss when Carrier playing in the championship. We're lucky enough here we get it on Sky and we get it on Premier as well over here. And if you know how to do a VPN, which is easy enough, you can watch it on RTE on your computer if you want. But yeah, I love watching Kerry play football. So do you know what, do you know what I want to say to you there while we were talking? It was just something that, that this 
I was looking at yesterday, I was thinking of writing something else, but it was like, you know, this day last year, we had 17 cases and there was no vaccinations. In the country? We have 30 degree temperatures. Yeah. Cases are just rising. It was, it was 1,400, you know. I mean, if people can't see, just see that alone as something, as a red flag, it's like, I, I just, you know, like there's a lot of those stuff that comes out that, that are that that are being shared by the by the media. Is that a problem now in Ireland as much as it is here? In that people are getting that stupidly, God love them, perfectly healthy people are being tested with a dodgy test. Is that the problem in Ireland too? Oh, that's uh, that's certainly the problem. I mean, I've I've even seen twas twas lately there uh, a friend of mine that, that was had to get tested or whatever, and I said to him, look. Go and get the antigen test. I mean, they're using it all over Europe anyway for, for flights and everything else. And from what I've been reading about, it's far more accurate than, than the PCR because of all the cycles they're running at 40, 45, all the rest of it. But he got a negative. But he said he had to go and get the uh, the PCR for, he works himself, but for the person that owned the building, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that would be positive because all they want at the moment is to show cases through the roof. Yeah. Now, what reason is behind that? Probably another lockdown. I, I can't see out they're not being in a lockdown. Um, or is it a case of, are they going to start forcing kids before they go back to school to say, you know, you need, we need more and more kids to, to have this, which is absolutely sinister. Schools uh, so here, Dennis. Schools here are preparing, secondary schools are preparing here to basically jab uh, high school, secondary school children when they return in September, is they're yeah. going to kit out parts of the of the classrooms to do that. Uh, they're going to do the kitting out even before uh, the government or the JCVI authorises it for all kids. At the moment, they've said children between 12 and 18 should get it only if those children are vulnerable. So if the kids have some sort of uh, condition that they're living with. But just in case they say, right, we'll move now to every child, they're already planning to uh, kid out the uh, schools to uh, to do it. I know this. I've been reading about it in the papers, but I've, I also know it from local right. schools here in Salford. Crazy. These are crazy times. And I suppose, Rich, you, you know, you, you've often, you've often read, read as much as me, probably a lot more. You know, a lot of people will say that people that are vulnerable shouldn't actually get it at all. You know, no. that's the thing. So is it actually, you know, it's, it's so, it's counterintuitive, you know, that, that, that someone that has some kind of vulnerability that, they go away and take the vaccine and they might be more likely to have some adverse reaction to it. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, where, where do you see it going? I mean, do, do you have any hope at the, or light or anything at the end of the tunnel, Richard? You know, I, did, from, I change my mind as much as I change and I do honestly change my underwear every single day. I do, honest yes. to God. But no, I, every, every other day, Dennis, I, I'll go through patches, you know, I'll be completely down in the dumps. I, I think there's no hope. And then another day, I'll see somebody doing something nice and I'll hear about somebody standing up to it. And I think, yeah, we're not gone yet. So I, yeah. I, overall, I think the glass is half full. What about you before we uh, part company today? What about you? I suppose the way I feel about it, we're kind of, we're on, we're on a knife edge, as in, you know, the whole thing with the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. I, like I said before, I have no problem with anyone, race, sexual orientation, you know, vaccinated, unvaccinated, I have no problem. But I mean, like you, like we've we, we probably mentioned, like Gerkland and Bosch and there's this Charles Hoff in America and all these doctors, where they say that we say the this this vaccine is causing the variants and it's causing people to be more and more sick. 
I suppose what I'm what I'm looking at for what I call the knife edge is that when we get to the stage where if it does happen this winter, I absolutely hope, like I say, with, with every fibre of my body that I'm wrong, I've told people, I hope I'm in the pub in years' time and you're laughing at me. But, but I, what I'm hoping that, you know, if, if, if all these things start to happen and people start getting really sick and they're in the hospital and they're vaccinated, that they don't actually fall for something like, oh, this is all of a sudden the flu, yeah. or else they start turning on the unvaccinated and saying it's all your fault, which the media are going to do. I mean, I think that's absolutely obvious. I just hope that enough people see it for what it is and just start to come start to come back to a little bit more reality. Um, that's my hope. It could go either way. That's why I called it a knife edge. But look, we have to hope, I suppose, Rich, you know. Absolutely right, Dennis. No, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you. We do have to hope. There's no point in giving up. The theadvertiser.ie, check it out. If you're in uh, Kerry, if you're in Cork, if you're in Waterford, Limerick, you got some business in that neck of the woods, do uh, get in touch with uh, with Dennis. No, do. And listen, the absolute best in the world to Little Willow and uh, to your wife, Maria. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank no, you. and will you come back? Do come back on. Stay in touch with me and come back yeah, on. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was absolutely my pleasure. And like I must mention this this woman, Anita Walsh, her name, she's my brother's wife, but she said I better mention her name because she was the one that introduced me to you. Anita, all so, right. Well, no, if any- I absolutely love listening to you, and, and that's no—that's not trying to swell your head or anything. It's like I come in in the morning, first thing, and I, I listen to the podcast from the day before, and it could take me three hours to then pause and do everything else. But it just keeps me sane sometimes because I know you've got a huge listenership and I know that there's an awful lot more people because sometimes you feel isolated. So yeah. I'll absolutely come back on if, 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 you, if you'd extend the invitation. Of absolutely. Course. Well, you're, you're, going to be, you're, you're going to be writing. You're an interesting man. You've got plenty to say. Thank you. Uh, so delighted to have you back on, Dennis. And uh, Anita, if you're listening, thanks for putting Dennis uh, by the way of the programme. <laughs> and I uh, hope you're well. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Dennis. Thank and, you, uh, Good luck to Kerry. Arrive, Kerry, this absolutely. year. Cheers, mate. Bye for now. Lovely Dennis Walsh there. Dennis runs The Advertiser. It's a magazine with a very big circulation in Kerry and Limerick. Check out theadvertiser.ie and uh, say hello to him through uh, the website if you heard him on the programme today, particularly, as I said, if you're in his neck of the woods. Lovely bloke. And Anita, thanks for introducing Dennis to the programme. I really appreciate that. Yeah, we were talking about Gaelic football there, dear listener. Gaelic football, which is a wonderful sport. And Kerry haven't won the championship since 2014. Now, I'm a Waterford man. <laughs> Waterford hasn't won the Liam McCarthy, the Liam McCarthy Cup since uh, 1959. We've come close a couple of times in recent years. But we've lost finals to Galway and uh, Kilkenny another year. And Anyway, I don't know if we'll ever do it, but please God we will. Let's have a tune. Appears Corbin will be with me not too far away now, I don't think. I've got a bit of, um, I wouldn't call Abba cheese. I wouldn't, I'd be reticent now to use cheese in describing Abba. This is Chikatita. It's very summery and it's very warm. Chikatita. One of my favourite live albums is Abba at Wembley Arena. Four records. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Shame, shame, know your name. I've got no shame. I listen to anything, me. You should see my record collection. I've got about five, six hundred albums. Maybe more now, I don't know. And there's everything in there. You'll find the, the, the weirdest and the most wonderful and the most vile <laughs> albums in there. Stuff that I, I listened to when I was younger, that I picked up over the years. Well, over the years, over the recent years, since I've been recollecting 
since I've been collecting again. It is exactly quarter past six. It's quarter past the hour, depending on where you are. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show. It is live. It's Thursday. Can I give a swift plug? Can I? Can I? For uh, the one and only Sunday Morning Melodies. Right? That's a programme that I present every Sunday at 10 o'clock. It's live. The only place to hear it. Well, there are two places. RichieAllen.co.uk. You can also hear it on the TuneIn app. You might have the TuneIn app. You might not. And for two hours, I play a mix of music that often doesn't make sense, at least um, from a genre point of view. It's bits and pieces of songs from all over the place. Some of them have nice stories attached to them. It's just a chilled out Sunday morning programme. But I like doing it. And uh, it doesn't seem to be offending too many people. So we'll keep it going. So I will be with you on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, between 10 and midday. This is the last live radio show for this week only. Obviously, I'm back with you on Monday. But there's still plenty of time in this programme. And Piers, the one and only Piers Corbin, should be standing by in London town. So let's give him a ring. Let's give him a quick bell and uh, see what he has to say. It's been quite a while since he was on. He's been arrested many times, his Piers, in the last uh, year and a half. Chatted with him briefly this afternoon. He seems to be in good form. There's a massive protest planned for, I think, for all over the country this Saturday. But uh, one of the places where we expect hundreds of thousands of people to congregate, we expect a massive, massive crowd in London. Piers, of course, is a scientist. He is a physicist and a respected meteorologist. Love having him on the programme. And he's not there, is he? No. Let's try him again. When it answered quickly, I thought he was there. It's often problematic. He's very eccentric. Think, is he there? Are you there, Piers? Seven, nine. No, he isn't. When you think of Piers, think Doc Emmett Brown in The Simpsons. That's what you have. You have a genius, but a bit of a mad genius, but in a very good way, like Piers. We'll try him again in a second. Thanks for your tweets, BBG Richie. And I had quite a few messages came through the website when I was speaking with Dennis there. Hi to Christine Walsh. How you doing, Christine? Christine says, Richie, I'm having a very bad day. I can see this going full circle. Like Dennis, I do hope... I'm wrong. Prayers. The only good thing about the North, with all our problems over the years, people are a bit more live and let live. I'm in Limavady, a growing town between Derry and Coleraine. A lot of holidaymakers about, she says, nice to see our beaches are full. Thank God I do not listen to or watch any MSM channels, so I don't have a clue about the rules. (laughs) That's right. There are no rules. If you don't listen, if you don't watch, there is no scamdemic. We know this, don't we? We know this. Let's try Piers again. Failing this time, I'll, I'll, I'll drag a tune out of the tune bank. If I don't get him this time, and I'll give him a bit of a shake. I'll ring his mobile as it happens. Yeah. All right, then. Well, he's not there. Are you there? Does he know I'm there? I'm listening to the machine, by the way, as I speak with you. I can do three things at the one time. No, he's not there. He's not going to turn on, maybe. Like I said, a genius, but as mad. No, no, he isn't as mad. He's as eccentric as a box of frogs. The proverbial, the absolute proverbial. What will I play then? What will I play? I don't know what to play. I've nothing lined up. Nothing. 
How about deagles? How about deagles? Play some eagles, some deagles. Can I do that? Think I can. Here's the eagles. And try and love again. I know. It was the handiest tune, really. I didn't think about it, you know. I get so close to my holiday, I start to just screw up. I don't know if that happens to you, you know. You get so close to your break, you just start to just kind of just shut down. That's me. I'll get Piers on the blower. If I don't, we'll do something else. Back in a minute. This is The Eagle. Right, The Eagles. We're going to try Piers again. I think we might get him this time. I'm not sure we might get him. Let's see. Do we get him? I'm hoping we do. If I put the right number in, that is. I, I hope I did. Maybe I didn't. Right, okay, I think we have Piers now. Let's welcome him back to the programme, the one and only Piers Corbin. Piers, welcome. Hello. Let me just turn you up a bit there. Have, have you got me on the hands-free, you have? Sorry, is that again? Ah, uh, there you are. You're a bit closer now. I thought you had me on the hands-free yep. for a moment there. Listen, you're, no, very, no, no. you're very welcome back. First things first, um, you're expecting massive crowds in London this coming Saturday, I bet. We are, yes. Give us an idea, because from what I've seen in recent weeks, looking at Ruptley um, and, and Richard Tice from his helicopter, because they're, they're the only people that have actually filmed it. Um, That's right. It looked like tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. Could it top a million, maybe, Piers, on, on Saturday? Well, I think it could. I mean, people said it topped a million last time. Um, this time, the, there's other rallies around the country as well because it's part of World Freedom Day. So there's going to be a big one in Birmingham, for example, and one in Canterbury. Um, uh, but there's more people on the move now than ever. So we could still top a million in London by itself. That would be incredible. Um, you you will know that I am not being curmudgeonly when I ask you, what can these protests achieve, Piers? Because I know that you've been involved in massive protests all along, but it hasn't stopped the establishment doing the things the establishment wants to do. So, so, so tell me, and I don't mean convince me, you don't need to convince me, no. but what do you hope that these gatherings will ultimately achieve? Well, they uh, do two things. One is they get a message out to those who who receive it uh, that, and of course that's limited by the BBC's failure to cover. But it is getting around that there's millions on the move, and when people realise that, they know they're not alone. So it does convince numbers. The second thing is it makes people feel actually confident when they come along. They feel a lot more confident and ready to do more things, and therefore build resistance in their communities and towns. And that is the key thing that's going to happen. More resistance in the communities and towns to physically stop the imposition of these things. Um, so, for example, um, our, I and others have been ripping down these uh, stupid notices saying keep your distance and all that. Yeah. And that went viral, and now people all the time are doing it all over the place. I mean, that's a practical example of propaganda being... Civil disobedience. Destroyed. That's a nice example of a bit of civil disobedience, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Now, that type of civil disobedience, it can go to bigger things. Because I would say, well, there's four legs to the new world order. There's the COVID con, the climate con, 
there's the vax and there's the um the uh 5g um control towers and so forth now people have to physically uh stop what is is happening so it means they're going to have to defy things in the shops for example and when another lockdown comes people have to think what are they going to do because there will be another lockdown and you know this is something we'll talk about on saturday i mean i say the first thing you've got to do and people will have more confidence now on day one of a new lockdown we take to the streets and we prepare for that day by forming all sorts of groups in any town or village, like on the lines of, uh, we've got one in Camden, the Camden Stay Open Union. And we've got um, shops and uh, a cafe opposite Keir Starmer's office, funnily enough, who says day one is staying open and he'll work with the Stay Open Union to support all others who are staying open, you see. So actually resist and prevent the uh, physical shutdowns. And then there'll be other things about VAC centres. I mean, the, the more people realise the VAC is as dangerous as it is, or, or the uh, clot shot, as it's called, um, then we should go round to uh, clot shot stations and, uh, um, well, you know, essentially get people to to not to rethink. Let, let me ask. Let me ask you this. Let, let me ask you this. Five uh, G towers. There's a whole lot of things there that one can do to. Uh, we might come back. Um, we might come back to five G yeah. in a minute. Let, of course. I remember many years ago when I started out covering protests at abortion clinics. Now there wasn't any yeah. abortion clinics in Ireland. I was covering protests at abortion clinics in the UK, and you know I was yeah. interested in that, and we were talking about that at the time. When how is it possible to turn up at a vaccination centre and? I'm not trying to make you laugh now, and not come across as a crazy conspiracy theorist. I don't mean you personally, but how no, do you no, how do you approach people if people are queuing up to get vaccinated? How would you go about that? You know, if you turn up, not you personally, but a person turns up, what would you do? How, how would you go about it? Well, you need to say we've got these little yellow cards that say that that you're much more likely to get seriously ill or die. Uh, from the jab than any COVID virus. And, and people don't want to hear this because they don't want to believe it because they like to think that they're doing the right thing, which is very understandable. So you do sound a bit mad, but you will get a certain proportion who will respond. And I've seen it happen in queues. People are saying, oh, okay. And they see the actual figures, 1,400 dead official figures in the UK. And uh, over a million reported serious reactions. So, you know, uh, it can work at the individual level, but those events also, because they're on their live streamed and so on, get more and more people around the UK thinking and not joining in. And the government are now having big difficulties in filling up the last numbers of people they want to get get um, taking the clock shot. Tell me about that. Let's stay with that for a moment. I did hear a BBC yeah. presenter yesterday on her programme mm -hmm. say that she said millions. She was referring, I think, to people in their late teens or, or early 20s. Do you think yeah. that's right? Do you think that the, the, the majority of, of younger folks have yet to go and have the jab? Do you, is, that, is that what you're hearing, yes, Piers? I, I think that is, uh, that is the case, yes. Yes. Uh, we had some people around um, 
earlier a video in me from Scum Media, and they they went round near to uh, well, they were by the river, and that one of them put on a life jacket, and he said, "Look," he said to these kids, "You're more likely to get drowned than you are to die from this virus." Yeah. And the kids thought it was really funny. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's sad. You know, you yeah. have to go to these things, but um. He got across to them, and then we were saying, or they were saying things like, oh, yes, look, I'm wearing this. I can swim all right, but it's for you. I'm wearing this for you. Now, of course, all this doesn't make no sense, just like masks yeah. make no sense, but it it's, um, reduces what they're doing to absurdity, and when people see that, maybe it also gets, uh, gets a message across. So uh, we have to be imaginative about getting the message across, certainly. You've you've not stopped, have you? Since no, since not, last year, no. you, like I I admire you in so many ways, and in other ways, I feel okay. sorry for you because you're out there every single day of the week doing it, and it's full on tyranny now, isn't it? They want to force. Oh, yeah, I'm um, let London live. Oh, well, we're now let the UK live. We have teams going out every day doing things at back centres, schools, or where we're at court cases. You know, whatever, giving out our leaflets uh, saying things on, on megaphones and so on. And uh, uh, we are having an impact, but the most important thing is you've got to think of how bigger sections of the population are going to shift because they're not going to convince everybody one by one. A lot of people are very ground in their thinking and won't listen unless, well, if a relative dies or gets injured, and we don't want that at all, but injured from the jab, then that was starting to think. That was starting to think. That's one thing, and we've got to get all those jabs sick on our side, uh, because the NHS is not going to help them. So our our websites will help them. StopNewNormal.net will well give what uh, suggestions it can. Um, Do you foresee, so Piers? Do you foresee yeah, is- this winter? We we suspect they will attempt to impose lockdowns again in the autumn and the winter is it your is it your fear that vaccine injuries will be rebranded as flu or as a new variant oh, of covid be. they'll absolutely be rebranded as flu and we've got all sorts of evidences well there's nobody dying of normal flu now but there's a sudden increase in people dying of covid well, yeah. it wasn't the same thing it's just a, it's, a, it's a rebranding now the autumn it's going to be very crucial because they're going to be getting ready to make stories up like that. Yes, there will be more deaths, more injuries. They'll all blame it on COVID or people like us who are spreading the virus or, or something, something like that. But on the other hand, the vax story is beginning to fail, beginning to fail because these kids we met and others, they're, they're happy to say Stop the clot shot. They're chanting it. Stop the clot shot. Because they know that these blood clots can cause, well, athletes they've seen on the pitch or on falling over, you know, getting seriously ill um, in numbers, um, aircraft pilots. So if the narrative fails, because we know the point of the COVID narrative is not to control the virus, it's to control you. So they'll produce something else to control you. And already they're talking about green lockdowns. The G7 talked That's about right. green lockdowns. And only yesterday I was in a meeting in Walworth where some former Extinction Rebellion types or actual whatever, 
Roger Hallam, one of the co-founders of XXR originally, held a meeting and a number of us turned up. In fact, there was more people opposed to what he was saying than supporting him there because we turned up. But, you know, he had a discussion and they all spoke and we listened to what they had to say and so on. And it was cordial, um, was it? Was it cordial? It was cordial, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there's a few people getting upset. But it was. No, we were cordial. We were cordial, yeah. And he... he um, uh, what he said was, oh, we've got to close down the roads and make make Britain um, a uh, carbon-free zone. And I said, yeah, well, look, that's fine. But you see, that means closing down industry, which is just exactly what the COVID story does. So you're just substituting for the COVID story. And he said, oh, yes, but we'll have to fight to make the government listen. I said, no, 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 no. This time, Boris will say, yes, that's right. Let's have a green lockdown. So then they'll do a lockdown just the same as if it was COVID. It doesn't matter. If it's a lockdown that smashes industry and the middle and working classes and gives the green light for takeovers of everything by the mega corporations. So I just say to people, beware of the green lockdown. And if some XR lookalike turns up in your area talking this stuff, say no. At least argue with them. Tell me this. Period. Tell me this. Was Roger Hallam, the co-founder of Extinction Rebellion, did he listen respectfully to the points you made? Um, he did. He did. Yeah. To be fair, he, good, good we, for him. We, yeah, he made. We, we. They had a lot of time speaking, but we held back. You know. Yeah. And then uh, one or two. Somebody asked a question. Then I gave a, a, a comment, if you like, which went on for maybe ten, twelve minutes. Um, he did listen. Uh, and I rebutted everything he said and pointed out that carbon dioxide levels follow temperatures, not the other way around, and many other things. And, um, he didn't reply at all, though. He just went on to ask other people other things to whatever. And then someone asked him what were his qualifications, because I have many qualifications. So yeah, yeah. they asked him what his were, and he said, oh, we had none. And he, that his expertise was in how to get people to agitate and organise. Well, Fair enough. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he's good at that, but he's doing it on the wrong message on behalf of the new world order. I know, but so, if he wanted to be, if he wanted to be childish, he could say, "Well, what about you, Corbyn? You're talking about vaccines and 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 epidemiology, and you know nothing about that either." He might say. Well, he could have tried that, but we yeah. I do know enough. But there's plenty of people in the room. We had about, you know, a dozen of us. So there's plenty of people there that could do the details on that. Yeah. But he, he wasn't there talking about epidemiology at all. He was concentrating on carbon footprints and all that. I'm so that. glad that, that there's still some civility in society where you can go and speak and, and have your say. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. so can I ask you this? Can I ask you this? Let, let me ask you this. Yeah. I've never seen anything like the propaganda on Sky when it comes to climate. I've never, they've got a daily programme. They're talking about floods, specifically saying that floods are now caused by climate change. They're not caused by, they're not caused by the failure to dredge rivers or any of that. No, it's all climate change. But, but they're saying that the permafrost situation in Russia, uh, the melting of it, that's, that's got to be proof that something is wrong, that man-made CO2 is contributing to a change in the planet. What do you say to that, this permafrost story well, in Russia? There's nothing going on. Well, first of all, river dredging, yeah, there's no river dredging. The, the Somerset levels are flooded deliberately. Yeah. Um, the appearance of floods now is completely in line uh, with what we predicted 10 years ago, that the wild jet stream and the general cooling 
and also low cell reactivity leads to these things. And last time in the Maunder Minimum, there were horrendous floods across Europe uh, and, and Britain and, uh, at times. I mean, it was dry between them, of course. Um, in some of famous woodcuts showing cows, people, furniture, bits of houses, all being swept down in gigantic torrents, you know. So these things are happening, as we said. And as for the permafrost story, well, it's complete nonsense. I mean, there's been times in the past, uh, like Roman times, for example, or the medieval warm period, where it was much warmer now. Yeah. Uh, so therefore, the permafrost would have melted and we would have had runaway warming. Well, we didn't have that. There was no runaway warming. It is all grossly exaggerated uh, nonsense. Because anyway, their theory requires that carbon, uh, sorry, that methane coming off will act like a greenhouse gas and warming. But this theory is incorrect because we know that carbon dioxide levels, for example, follow temperatures as a fact. And we know that the basis of their theory for any greenhouse gas, as they call it, to work is, is incorrect because it requires that in the upper air, extra greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, methane or whatever, will radiate more heat downwards than they did without being there or with less of it. However, and therefore they'll warm the ground, but you think about this, it's colder up there than down here, so their theory requires extra radiation from a colder body to a warmer body. Now, this is against basic physics, otherwise known as the second law of thermodynamics. It's like having a kettle, not turning it on, looking at it and waiting for it to warm up all by itself. It will not happen. If it does happen, then you can believe in man-made climate change. But the scientific basis of what they say is not there. And we pointed this out to Roger Hallam and also said there is no scientific paper of using real data evidence or proxy evidence of CO2 levels and temperatures which shows the uh, any reality of man-made climate change. They're very There's clever. No They're case. very, very clever, and, you see, Piers. They're very clever. What they actually do is they... You're right, they don't have any data. So absent the data, what they do now is they point at any adverse weather at all, a hurricane, um, extra cold weather or extra warm weather, and they point at the weather as their proof, which is really bizarre, right? Of course, because it has, it did get, there was a very warm blast in in Tanizer, which is part of our wild jet stream warm up there. Very cold, we've had a terribly cold spring, um, but our much bigger areas are colder, and this is how the jet stream operates, you see. So there's nothing uh, going on at all which supports their theory, but they just choose little bits of data to, to, to try and justify it. And of course the media is in complete lockstep with the agenda, it doesn't challenge yeah. any of it, and it yeah. marginalises yeah. people like you. So when, we, when we're looking at climate lockdowns, is it your, I shouldn't ask you, is it your opinion? You tell me, are we going to see some exit from this COVID story at some stage only to jump straight into a climate emergency story? Is that how you see yeah, it going? Uh, I think we will. I think we will. And I think it will happen quickly without people realising it. Um, so, you know, the, or, or we might have other stories, but I think that'll be one. They'll produce other stories. The aliens are coming, you know. Uh, who knows? They could have fake, fake alien spacecraft flying around, or, or, or 
whatever projections of them, holograms of aliens. I mean, who knows? They will try anything to justify locking people away in their homes and destroying industry and have a new way of ruling the world. Tell me this, tell me this. You mentioned earlier, and I, I think you're right, that youngsters are rejecting the jab. But, but, yes. maybe, maybe many of those youngsters are taking COVID tests and the problem with that is, is it, it keeps driving this narrative. Do, you, do we not need to try and impress upon younger people? It's not good enough not to have the jab. You need to stop being bloody tested because the dodgy tests keep giving him the cases uh, that justifies their lockdowns and their stupid measures. Well, the more tests they do, the more cases they call they find because the PCR tests are false and you just wind them up enough times and you get positive. So yeah. a testing gives you loads of false positives. Uh, and the ideology of passporting is apartheid, divide and rule, and that is getting very serious now. So they're saying, we say no to uh, passport, uh, no to jab or test passporting. And in uh, on this statement from the government that kids won't be able to go to night parties or whatever without two jabs. Well, all I can say is we'll organise night parties uh, illegally and people can do what the hell they want. And personally, my business, weatheraction.com, is, uh, well, if people visit, they're not allowed to come if they've been jabbed or, or wear a mask, for example. So, you know, we can put things the other way around. And in France, I'm happy to see what is going on. I mean, people are totally rioting against the imposition of a medical apartheid where people who've been jabbed are given more rights for all sorts of things in health or whatever than people who who haven't been jabbed. Now, that is just evil, contagion, apartheid, like, uh, you know... Tyranny. South Africa or Germany before the war, tyranny. Yeah, yeah. tyranny. Or, or what happened in Russia under Stalin. I mean, it's all the same sort of tyranny, you know. I was sent, um, Gareth Ike, my, my, my pal Gareth, I know you know Gareth uh, very well yourself. Gareth sent yeah, me... Uh, speaking on Saturday, as will I. Yeah, yeah, he's a great lad, Gareth, yeah. As are you, my friend. Love having you on the programme. Gareth Thank sent you. me a document to be translated by my better half because she's French. It's a spooky document. I think he might be using it in one of his presentations. A spooky document from 1942 in July. Mm -hmm. And it's a Nazi, it's a Nazi document, basically saying that the Jews are not allowed to congregate with people. The Jews are not allowed to go out in public. Uh, the Jews are not allowed to speak. The Jews are not allowed to do this. And that it, it lists all these things that the Jews can't do. They can't go to cafes, salons, bars. They can't go to cinemas. They can't go to theatres. You just said it a second ago. This is history repeating itself. We're all Jews now. We're all yeah, Jews now, right? right? We're all Jews now. If you deleted, if you got that document and replaced the word Jews with the un, unvaxxed, unvaxxed, I think yeah. it would read, read what is going on there. Wow. That's uh, terrific, isn't it? And you know, a part of me wants to just rage at the business owners for not saying no. Mm-hmm. Why? Why mm-hmm. Why is it that business owners' peers haven't just said absolutely Feck off, no way. Why do you think that is? Well, some of them are. Um, most of them, you know, they abide by the law. And, of course, the big corporations, Tesco, Sainsbury and so on, they always 
by by the law. Draw but the I line. think we have to get a bit uh, cleverer on this. We have to say, well, okay, um, there's more restrictions in Sainsbury's than in Tesco or the other way round. So don't shop in the in the bad one. Only shop in the good one, or shop in your local shop where they don't have any mask notices. You know, and there are some shops who uh, who say you know no masking. Some pubs in some parts of the there's one in the Isle of Wight is a pub which is no, uh, no masking, uh, etc. Hotel, to wear a hotel. That that's right. Uh, yeah, that's okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Lovely people. Yeah, so, Dino. Yeah, you know, we have yeah. to fight back on our own terms and and build. Uh, ways of living in the way we know it's got to happen in, in the future. Can I ask you this? A number of people, including my best, um, one of my best mates in Ireland, who's been in touch with me, uh, and including a couple of people on Twitter, have asked me about geoengineering. Is there any... Yes. I, I mean, I know you've never ruled anything out. I know you're open-minded. But um, this morning, Peter Ebden, who's a friend of the programmes, Peter is telling me on, t- on, on, on text message, he sent me a text, only this morning there was a report that the Dubai government has been using cloud-seeding drones to make it rain, to cool the place down. I saw that uh, story. I, I was going to bring it up, actually. So, okay. it, some of these crazy weather events, could they be, be, might they be driven by technology? Well, some could be, but you see, it's not as simple as people would like to think. You can't just turn a button and say, make it rain, make it snow or whatever. Um, you can make it rain with cloud seeding things, um, silver iodide or, or solid CO2. Um, yeah. uh, as long as there's enough water vapor there, it will seed a cloud and it will rain. And that was what was done in the famous limb of disaster in 1953. I think it was always for 52, one or the other. Um, uh, in in Southwest England, um, you, there's a limit to what you can do. You need a critical process about to happen one way or the other, and then you can do it. So if it if there's enough water vapor, you can make it rain. But you can't make a tornado unless you've already got you know something pretty active already in the atmosphere. So you could probably enhance things, yes. Um, and currently, what they're doing is largely experimental, but you know, I, I, I'm sure what you said about Dubai is is true. But when it's very dry, they won't be able to produce uh, this rain. I mean, what they're really doing, I suppose, is clouds are going over. Uh, they're going to rain at some point, maybe, or evaporate. But when they're in the right place, they drop stuff on them so that it will drop the rain there. Yeah, yeah. Rather than, uh, I don't have them. Um, I don't have your ability, your skills, your training. But I, for, for, I've been doing programs like this for years and years and years. And I remember covering the HARP program, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research program years ago. They drive radio waves into the ionosphere and they mess around with plasma waves. And a lot of people believe that, that, that machines like HARP can do crazy things with the jet stream and cause catastrophic weather events, but you're not convinced of it, I don't think. No, I, I think they are doing experiments to try and do that. They would like to do that. But you see, the energies involved in the atmosphere are absolutely vast. So it's only when there's a critical process right. that's got to click one way or the other that you can have an effect. Um, they, uh, the experiments done, which Bill Gates was funding Harvard University to put, uh, I don't know, chalk or something in the atmosphere. That's but right. when you looked at the details, it was actually a very 
a small scale type of thing. They were trying to see what effect it would have under a certain quite small area. Um, but as to doing something big, as I said, it's it's not easy because uh, a storm going past is typical depression. That is many many atom bombs happening, exploding in in energy equivalent every every hour or so. I mean, or always a minute or so. I mean, it's huge amounts of energy. And, and you can only get this energy out if there's water there ready to condense, you see. Yeah, so, that, make, that makes said, sense You've got to understand yeah. the, the details. It's, it's, uh, I mean, a lot of people, I think it's right for people to be very concerned and we should demand openness on this. And we know there have been committees in Parliament which have looked into uh, um, geoengineering and um, their investigations have been curtailed. But, um, to my understanding, but, um, they are still at ex- ex- experimental, and there are, you know, physical limits, as, as I said, because of the vastness of the because of the, uh, yeah of the energy oh. up there. I have I have interviewed two pilots over the years who swore they basically swore I don't I don't know blind you could say they swore blind that they knew that heavy metals are being pumped into the atmosphere and they have been doing that for a long time even though they deny it. I know we talked about this before as well. But we're going to run out of yeah. time in about three or four minutes no, um, okay. because we're but approaching it, seven. Pilots, was it, had it happened on their own aeroplanes or they believe it had been done? Tru- that- Truthfully, they believed it had been done. None of them claimed yeah. that it happened on their aeroplanes, yeah. No, no okay. Well, I, I think it's probably true it has been done. But as I said, it's... Dangerous and to be opposed, and yeah. uh, but not yet as dangerous as, as uh, some people uh, would have us believe. Fair enough. It's good to get the other point of view too, and, and you're an expert, so uh, it's good to hear that. Before we go, um, massive on Saturday. Tell us about yep. your own legal suit because I know you've been arrested again. I know you were arrested last week, I believe. Um, uh, no, I wasn't arrested. I've been almost arrested. But Monday, I was very near getting arrested, but they took away Wilsey, a, a, a radical journalist, instead. And what are they... How, what, what, what's the attitude of these police officers? Is it a case that they're just obeying orders or are they getting a bit heavy-handed? How are they policing these well, things? It's a very mixed bag. I mean, in the last few weeks, we've had less heavy policing, frankly. And we've been in Parliament Square going with megaphones and all that, which they normally stop. So they haven't haven't got in the way. Monday, 3,000 people, you know, would know, well, a pretty tough um, view of things. Uh, but basically got their own way. We got our own way and we blocked the, the square and... Uh, you know, we got a certain message across on live stream, but we prevented all the traffic for about, uh, I don't know, 10 hours probably, seven hours. Um, the police there, most of the time, were very reasonable. Um, there was a heavy splurge later where they arrested a few as if they felt they had to. And they probably had it in to arrest Will Z as a radical journalist who they didn't want to see hanging around. We, we're not completely sure what, why. Well, we know with the physical cause, you know, right. they claim this or that, but um, they didn't need to arrest anybody, of course. So I think there is splits in the police, individual police, when you have conversations, they clearly are alarmed at what is going on. The high command, um, some of them are on our side. Um, I reported two crimes um, in, to ask the police to investigate, namely the MPs all voting for these coronavirus acts 
and another report of 365 MPs who specifically voted to impose jabs on care workers. Yeah. I reported these to Walworth Police Station as crimes, and I got crime reference numbers. And the uh, the CID officer, he said, yeah, Mr. Corbyn, that's a crime reference number. We'll probably refer it, though, to Westminster. And yeah, I said, well, why yeah, Westminster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Westminster area. He said, ah, because that is where the crime was committed. So, you see, in the mind of this officer, there is a crime. And I think that's yes, it's significant that yeah. we see these sort of comments from the police. I'd love to think that they would, you know, turn up there en masse someday and start issuing summonses. Um, I won't hold yeah. my breath, but that's yeah. not in any way now to be that. negative. It's yeah. just They're the way... They're going to have to investigate. And yeah. Walworth Police said they've got to come back within five working days, so I should know tomorrow something about what they're, they're going to do about it, you know. Listen, the and best... the same with other people who've lodged these, these yeah. things, with, uh, which are all, the, all uh, uh, done by the... Uh, I think it's valuable, Piers. I think it's valuable work because at the very least it exposes uh, that the police, it exposes that they won't do anything when it comes to these uh, politicians. We're just out of time, so I just want to wish you all the very best on Saturday. Yeah, I think it'll be... Next policeman's work on this, which is very important. Okay, so, well... You've got to go now, have you? Well, yeah, you we're just, uh, yeah, we're just um, running out of time, just running up to seven o'clock. All right. You'll have a massive well, crowd there on Saturday. Resist, defy, do not comply. And what's the website again, quickly? Uh, the website, uh, stopnewnormal.net and letthelivecom Fantastic. Stopnewnormal.net, letthelivecom Piers, it's always a yeah. pleasure. Godspeed to you. Look after Good yourself. Morning. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. Piers Corbin, live on the line from uh, his office in London, closing out uh, Thursday's programme. And that's the last uh, Richie Allen show for this week. It returns on Monday at five o'clock. But of course, before that, you and I, well, some of you and I will talk on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Sunday morning melodies at 10 on richieallen.co.uk and on the TuneIn app if you have the TuneIn app. All righty. Thanks as well. Let me just stop that. I was going to crash the intro there. Don't crash the intro. The intro. <laughs> Don't do that. I've made enough mistakes. Uh, thanks again to Dennis Walsh. Uh, lovely to have Dennis on the programme in the first hour from Kerry. Do check out his website, theadvertiser.ie. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Anita, as well. And Piers' website, stopnewnormal.net, lettheuklive.com. See you on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Bye for now. Penso que un sueño para sí 